Hey there, online family. Thanks so much for tuning into the Refuge Official Podcast today. We believe that the message you're about to hear is a powerful one. We believe that the Lord is ready and willing to do a great work. And we believe that through this message, you'll hear from Him today. So please enjoy. God's got so much to say for us. I, I really believe that. So let's just begin with a word of prayer as we go into the Word this morning. Um, Heavenly Father, we're grateful for an opportunity to be able to gather in this place. And we've had a time in worship, Father, where your presence is, is so evident and so powerful. And Father, we respond now by just opening our hearts to receive from you. And we ask, Father, that you give us wisdom, revelation, understanding, as the scriptures are spoken and taught in a way that we can receive it, believe it, and embrace it, and then live it out and walk it out in our lives. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. And everyone in agreement said, Amen. Well, last week, Pastor Deb started us off in this series and uh, talking about this whole concept of love in action. But I think she addressed an important element that we have to consider, uh, and that is about this thing called condemnation. Uh, Understand that we have an enemy who attempts to either puff us up in pride uh, and work in that whole pride issue, or he tries to destroy us through condemnation. And condemnation is simply a condemning sentence. It's when you're condemned where there's like uh, uh, bondage in prison, and it seems we're just locked in this place where we can't go beyond these limitations and boundaries. But when Jesus sets us free from sin, he also sets us free from condemnation, that condemning element. And so today, if you're under that cloud of condemnation, know that the scripture says in Romans 8, 1, that there is now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And so we believe that God... uh, addresses that condemnation. And let let me just share the difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction is something we welcome in our life because conviction is the Holy Spirit dealing with issues that lead us to repentance so that we can embrace the word. And, And conviction is something that causes us to run to God, not from him. Condemnation is something that drives you further from God because you don't feel worthy. You don't feel like you can approach him. But conviction basically draws you into his presence so that you run to him instead of run away from him. And so today, to identify condemnation in your life, if it's something that's causing you to to pull back, withdraw from him, then that's not of God. But conviction will draw us to him. So uh, I believe that Jesus sets us free from condemnation because he wants you to know that his love for you abounds. In Psalms 139, it talks about how God's thoughts towards us are thoughts of, of you know, he's thinking about you, the thoughts of love and expressing his love towards us. And his thoughts are revealed in his word. And so, you know, this year's theme is more, um, and we're going to live for more in 2024. I know that kind of might sound cliche, but I believe by revelation, that's something that God's spoken to us about this particular year. And to prepare for more, we really need to embrace the right mindset. It's a mentality that literally makes more room for God. 
we make more room for him in our lives, in our daily expression, the, the time we devote to commit to the reading of his word, the time that we pray. And, you know, whether you realize it or not, you can pray on the go. You can pray when you're driving. You can pray at any moment, at any time. It's simply keeping the communication lines between you and the Father open so that you are having dialogue, involving him in your daily activities and responsibilities. And so I believe to prepare for more is simply cultivating an expectancy for God to move uh, and having that greater hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Uh, Really, it's a fresh, intense hunger for more of God and for the move of God. Because if you're going to get more of God, uh, let me promise, you're going to have a move of God in your life. When the more comes, the move comes, okay? He begins to deal with things that need to be dealt with. A lot of times we let things go. We just let them, you know, just go and deal. We just don't deal with it. But this year, God wants to deal with issues in our life so that he can continue to perfect those things that concern us. Because we're on a journey, and he's taking us somewhere. And so we need to determine we're going to be all in on this journey. You know, as, just as we're preparing to go to Florida, uh, we have to pack. There's certain things we have to do. We need to make sure things are done so that we can leave. And I'm always one that I'm always having last-minute things. Oh, we've got to do this, got to do that. And so we set the time of departure, and we're always pushing that back a little bit because uh, I have to water plants. I've, oh, I forgot to do this. Yeah, it's usually me. It's on me, you know. <laughs> She's ready to go. I mean, she's ready to go out the door, okay? And she's saying, Matt, when are we going to leave? Okay, yeah, so hopefully we got a lot of stuff done. I actually have the bags packed already. We're ahead of the schedule there. They're packed and ready to load in the vehicle. So are you proud of me, honey? Okay. <laughs> what did she say? I didn't hear that. Okay, well, anyway. Uh, we'll talk later, okay? Okay. So... I think about this message, getting back on track here, uh, beyond words. This year, we are going beyond where we have been. We're going beyond where we have been. We're going beyond fear. We're going beyond lack and insufficiency. We're going beyond our limitations, the things that hold us back. This is a year for, for advancement in our lives, not to be diminished, but to advance in the purpose, the call of God, you know, for business people here, expect advancement, expect more, uh, more uh, faithful employees, more uh, business contacts, because God's doing something this year, because it's something I believe he's determined. And it's boldly going where you have not gone before. I, I'm a Star Trekky. I, I used to, you know, the, the first show was way back. Boldly going where no man has gone before. Yeah, that's me. I'm on, I'm on board with that. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, turn with me in your Bibles to 1 John 3.18. This is actually the key verse. And I'm going to read this in three different translations because each translation uh, speaks and emphasizes something a little bit different to more clearly bring out the, the meaning in the Greek translation in its original uh, language that it was written in. So 1 John 3.18 it says, dear children, and again, I love how God likes to address us as children because we are his child. You know, our youngest daughter is 23. Her name is Mackenzie. How many of you know Mackenzie? Okay. Um, she's an adult right now, 
But guess what? She's still our child, you know, and she'll always be our child. And that's how it is with God. Even though we're full grown, we're adults, we're still his children. It goes on to say, dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other. So that's so easy to do. Oh, I love you. I love you. We, we can say it all the time. But it says, let us show the truth by our actions. And, and you know, you've heard the saying, um, actions speak louder than words. That is true. Because you can say a lot of things, but if there's no actions to back it up, then there's no value in that. There's no integrity in that. Uh, in the Message Bible, it, it reads this way. It says, my dear children, let us not just talk about love. Let's practice real love. And, and real love is something that's genuine, sincere, and impactful. It's not just superficial. It's not just, oh, I have to, but you want to. See, this is, it goes on to say, this is the only way we know we're truly, we're living truly, living in God's reality. I love that expression because there is a new reality that you and I have as Christians. And I've determined that I want to live in that new reality because so often we gravitate to the old uh, reality, but we have a new reality in Christ. We're new creatures in Christ. Old things pass away. My challenge to you is embrace the new reality that you have as a Christian, as a believer in Christ. Amen. And so, uh, one more translation, 1 John 3.18. This is from the modern English version. And it reads this way. My little children. Now here's a specific example. My little children, okay? And how many of you have little children? Um, Annie and Michaela brought our youngest granddaughter here this morning. And Now don't bombard them, bombard them after the end of the service. Um, and, and, you know, make sure, you know, you... Like, is it okay? Don't ask the whole thing or anything like that. But we welcome Jovi here today. Amen. So this is her first service outside the womb. Okay. Um, it's amazing, isn't it? Anyway, First John three eighteen. I, I just got kind of rabbit trailed over there. So First John three eighteen. My little children, let us love not in word or speech. How many of you have a speech and you say all the right things? But notice it goes on to say but in action and truth. Action and truth. And that's what we're talking about, action. Mother Teresa, I, I quote her. She said, um, love cannot remain by itself. It has no meaning. Love has to be put into action. And that action is service. Amen. Oh, I also have to mention that Rachel is also here with their new baby, too. So that's exciting. Uh, a lot of baby girls being born uh, in this season. Last year it was all boys when we had a dedication. This year it's going to be all girls, so a uh, good thing. Uh, actions speak louder than words. And it's really, it's not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. And, and some are good at talking, and that's as far as it goes. And that's what I call lip service. And God doesn't want your lip service. Uh, and people generally don't want your lip service. They want to see action behind your words, that your words are meaningful, that what you say is what you do. And that uh, revolves around this thing called integrity. Um, and, and guess what? Uh, I want you to look at First Thessalonians 4 9 because God will teach you how to love. Because some of you are thinking, where do I start? How do I love? How do I put love into action? 
Well, 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 gives us some insight on that. It says, now concerning brotherly love. You have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. Amen. See, we've been taught by God to love one another. And so if we look to him, he's going to show us how to love. And I have to tell you, because there was a time in my life, uh, I was a young man, I was living in southwestern Idaho in the city of Mountain Home, and I worked at a mobile home factory. And there was a foreman I had that did not like me. And to be honest with you, I did not like him. We did not get along. And I think the reason he didn't like me is because I, I was a professing, professing Christian. And he was, uh, he was, at least in my opinion, a very ungodly man. And he went the extra mile to try to make life miserable for me. Um, he would sometimes be on my back. I was actually a lead person in the final finish department in this factory, and I had maybe seven or eight people directly under me in my particular crew. And uh, if I did anything wrong, he was on top of me. He was cussing me out. He had really colorful language when he was in my presence. And I knew he was trying to get under my skin. He was trying to irritate me. And I really received it as a form of persecution because my faith, because I was the kind of guy, if I had opportunity, I would share the gospel. I had these gospel tracks and I would have them in my shirt pocket. And at some random time, I would pull one out and say, here, have you seen this one? And because chick tracks, they would have all these different versions of, of, of the presentation of the gospel in these little comic books. And it was a great way, it was a great tool for me to share the gospel with people, and I used that. And so there was a time, and I'm going to tell part of this story now and part of it later. There was a time I went home, and I told the Lord, I hate this man, and I know I'm not supposed to hate anyone. And I was conflicted in that whole element. And what he had done in the production of that company, I was the one that would quote, move the line. So when a, a unit, we built double wides, we built single wides. When a unit was completed, I was responsible to make sure it was signed off and then move it out into the yard and then park it out there. And so uh, the production manager, we had a meeting and he said, I don't want the line moved unless the house is completely finished because they were trying to up production. So we'd move it out, move the line, and we'd have to... I'd have to have my crew finish it out in the yard. So we have to take compressors and everything out into the yard to complete the unit. And so he said, do not move the line. And he, and he looked at me and said, are you clear with that, Matt? I said, yes, sir. And I was a production manager. So then uh, one day we were working on a unit and uh, we had maybe 45 minutes left to complete that unit. And my foreman, whose name was Johnny, said, Matt, move the line. And I said, Johnny, uh, we had that production meeting with the production manager, and we're not supposed to move the line until it's signed off and completed. He said, I don't blank, blank, blank care. You move the line. That's my order. You do it. And so he's my direct supervisor, 
So in obedience, in submission to that, I did it. I knew I was going to get in trouble from the production manager. So I moved the line, and, and the production manager was up in his office, and he's watching because it was on the second level. There's windows all around. And, he, and I came back into the building after moving the line because I had this, I would see a little tug. It's the things they have at airports. They, you know, I, I'd use that tug. I, I could drive that thing really fast and really good, you know. I love driving a tug. I could, I could park mobile homes in a space that had 12 inches on one side and 12 inches on the other side, just enough to crawl through. So I was really good at navigating that. Uh, so I come back into the building, and the production manager is coming out of his office, and I said, I'm thinking, oh, now I'm in trouble. And he said, Matt, uh, was that unit signed off? Was it complete? I said, no, sir. And then um, the foreman, Johnny, came up to him, and the three of us are having this kind of intense moment. And, and so he said, Matt, why did you move the line? I said, Johnny told me to, and I had reminded him what you said in the meeting that we went to move the line. And Johnny looked at him and looked at me. He is lying to you. I did, I did no such thing. And man, I got chewed out by that production manager and I'm just like shriveling up, just, oh, I felt so bad. I said, no, I'm, I couldn't defend myself in that moment. I went home that day and I said, God, I know I'm not supposed to have hatred, but I have hatred towards this man. And, and so I asked the Lord, Lord, help me to love this man as you love him and see this man as you see him. And it was in the place of prayer. This is this is why this scripture is so important because God will teach you how to love the unlovable. He'll teach you how to love people that have wronged you or offended you. And so in that moment of prayer, God did something in my heart. And what happened, I actually had to forgive him for what he did. And when I forgave him, there was a release of that bitterness, that resentment, that animosity there was a release of that, and the peace came. And following that peace was a love. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue with this story because uh, um, I was going to finish it later, but I'm going to continue with it. The next morning, I go to work, and Johnny's right there, and he's cussing me out, and on my case, and he's just building upon what happened the day before, and just really trying to get out of my skin, and I looked at him, and I did not expect this to come out of my mouth. I said, Johnny, I love you, and I'm praying for you, and God is going to promote you. I said, those three things, I'm thinking, what, what was that? I love you, I'm praying for you, and God is going to promote you. And he said, what? Are you some kind of pervert? You don't love me. Oh, you can't love me. And then he just off. And I said, well, Johnny, that's all I can say. I love you. I'm praying for you. And God's going to promote you. And you know, in the course of events, and, and I would, every time he would curse at me or something, I would say that same thing, those three things. And so he was getting sick of that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, God, I don't know what to do. You have to do something with this. Uh, one day, we were working late, and there was some rework that had to be done in one of the units in, in the yard. Um, and so, and he had told me, make sure that's done before you leave. 
And I maybe had about 30 minutes left to do. And I thought, I'll come in early, slip in there, and I'll finish that unit, and Johnny won't even know. So I come in early, I go into that unit, and guess who's waiting there? And he has it. He said, why isn't this done? And I said, I'm totally in the wrong. I know you told me to do it. He said, you fired. And I looked at him. I said, well, Johnny, you're not my provider. This, com- this job is not my provider. God is, and he has another job for me. And that whole day, I'm just like, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? It was a Friday, so at the end of the day, I go up to the production office. And you know, he's sitting there smoking his cigarette, just sitting back in his chair. Um, and I said, Johnny... Uh, he said, what are you doing here? I said, I've come to get my severance check. Because you fired me this morning, remember? And he said, get out of here. Go home. And I said, uh, but you fired me. I- I've come for my severance check. I said, get out of here. I'll see you on Monday. I-, I said, does that mean I'm not fired? I said, get out of here. I'll see you on Monday. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, about... Two months after that experience, guess what happened with Johnny? He was promoted to production manager. And I'm thinking, oh, God. (laughs) But that's what I kept saying and praying. And so after that, there was a shift in his heart. Because he had heard that repeatedly from me. And he came up to me and he said, you know, I know I've been kind of hard on you, but is there anything you need for your department? Any help? Any, is there a way I can better serve the final finish department in this factory? And in that moment, he didn't say, I'm sorry for what I did, but there was a change of heart. I could see his whole attitude. He actually um, had me go on some field trips with him to do some work and invited me into his home. I sat at his table. I was able to present the gospel to him and share the love of Jesus. A man that I hated because of what God did in me, I was able to love. And God reached his heart and touched his heart. And so um, I believe that Johnny's going to be in my future, future eternity, um, because of, of how God dealt with me to deal with that situation. So that's forgiveness. And uh, it's so important to understand. Um, Here's a quote by William Gladstone. He states, we look forward to the time when the power of love will replace the love of power. Then will our world know the blessings of peace. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5 says, May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Paul is praying for the Thessalonians, and he's praying, May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God. I pray that for you, that God would direct your hearts toward the love of God, depending what you're facing, what situation you're in. See, there, there is a kingdom goal for the believer that we must consider in 1 Timothy 1.5, it says, The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. That's the aim of our charge. A love that issues, that comes forth from a pure heart. Not a heart with second motives and false motives, but with a good conscience and a sincere faith. 
See, I, wa I want us to really consider God's love and forgiveness today. For us to do that, we need to consider God's essence and who he is. So we want to talk a little bit about God's essence. Uh, realize that essence is the quality of something that determines its character. Uh, when we consider essence, when referring to a person, it refers to the character, makeup, and the qualities and attributes that make a person who they are. Uh, it has to do with their reputation. And realize that God's essence is revealed through his word and by the expression of his character and his attributes. Uh, God's essence really is his very nature. Essence is, is defined as the core nature or most important qualities of a person or a thing. It's the inward nature of anything um, underlying its manifestations or its true substance. Uh, essence really is something uh, that is or exists. It is the inherent, unchanging nature of something. In Job 11.7, one of Job's comforters uh, made this statement, which I, I think kind of captures this whole essence thing. In Job 11.7, uh, Zophar made this statement, can you discover the essence of God? Can you find out the perfection of the Almighty? I believe the answer to that question is yes, because God wants to reveal that to us, the essence of who he is. To understand his essence, we have to consider his attributes and his character. And realize that the character of God has often been misrepresented by those who claim to follow him. I think that's a serious issue. And that, that brings conviction to me because I want to represent Jesus for who he is and for what he does. I don't want to be one who would misrepresent him. See, God is love. And we ask the question, do you know him? First John 4, 8 says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So if you don't have the capacity to love, if you're not loving then I would question whether you really know him. Because if you know him, then you will love as he loves. Because having that relationship empowers us to love as he loves. See, the ultimate test of love is, is really the willingness and the ability to forgive. Love is incomplete without forgiveness. In fact, uh, and you've heard me say this before, and I'll probably say it in the future. Forgiveness is the greatest expression of love. When, if you're truly loving somebody, then you cannot hold unforgiveness towards them. You have to forgive them. And there's no love without forgiveness and no forgiveness without love. Love is best expressed through forgiving someone or forgiveness. In fact, the love and forgiveness are the two important attributes of his character that really make up his essence and make up who he is. When we look at love in the Bible, uh, the, the Greek word there is agape. And that particular word agape is the God kind of love. It's a love that sees others as valuable and precious. It's an unconditional love. It doesn't place conditions. I love you if. I love you if you do this. And see, there's a lot of times that kind of you know, friendship love is more you know, a mutual thing. You know, you do this for me, I do this for you. And it works that way, but that's not the kind of love that defines who God is. And we see in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, 
a definition of love. And this is a practical way that love can be demonstrated or played out. In 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, it says, love is patient and kind. So patience and kindness is an expression or demonstration of love. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. Have you ever met a rude person? That's not love, okay? Sometimes I wanted to say, you are rude. <laughs> and um, uh, it does not insist on its own way, my way or the highway. It doesn't do that. It's not irritable or resentful. Now that's, uh, some of us kind of have challenges there, don't we? Uh, verse 6 says, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Verse 7, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Verse 8, the first part of that says love never ends or not, love never fails. So if you're acting this way, or if you're not acting this way, then you're not acting in love. And, and I think that's something that you can look at and even speak that over your life. Pray that verse over your life, those verses, and begin to cultivate those characteristics in your life because that's the definition of love. Um, here's, a, here's just a statement um, that I kind of crafted in my study time. It says, to be greatly loved by someone gives you strength. To love someone greatly, it takes courage. True love requires personal action and takes time and commitment. It really does. It takes time and commitment to do it right. So looking at forgiveness, because if we're looking at love, then we need to consider forgiveness. Um, redemption really is forgiving the sins of humanity all the way back to Adam and Eve, right from the beginning, every sin, and also sins that will be in the future. In 1 John 2, 2, the scripture says, and this is referring to Jesus, he is the propitiation. That's an interesting word. It simply is the act of making peace. He's the propitiation for our sins, and not only ours, but for also for the sins of the whole world. He died for the sins of the whole world. The price has been paid. The matter is people simply receiving that forgiveness and appropriating it by faith when they repent and come before God. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, it says we have redemption in him, in Jesus. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. His grace extended us a forgiveness from anything we've done wrong. And the price has been paid. You don't have to bear, bear the guilt, the penalty of your transgressions, your sins. So I got three points in this message in the time that we have remaining. How can we put love in action? How can we put love in action? Number one, to put love in action, we must identify and connect with the source of love. We must identify and connect with the source of love. See, there's, there's so many uh, that desire to love and be loved, but they fail to connect with the author and the source of love. And, and that's, to me, a priority for us today, to connect with the source of love. Uh, you've heard this said many, many times, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He so loved the world that he gave. First um, John 3.16, those are the 3.16s of the Bible, John the Gospel, and then First John 3.16 says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down 
our lives for the brothers. This is how we know love. It's, it's knowing that he laid down his love for us, a life for us, and now we do that in response of the love that we've received from him. I truly believe a revelation of the love of God is, is going to transform your life. It's going to have the greatest transforming impact upon the, on your life. It has the greatest transforming impact upon the human heart. It really does. First John 4, 7, and 8, we'll look at this. Uh, we read verse 8 already. But it says, Beloved, let us love one another. Okay, that's a command. That's not an option. Let us love one another, for love is from God. That's the source. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. To be born of him is, is the new birth where we've been made alive by him and, and he saved us. So his life enters us and we experience a new birth, a new life. And that's the result of his love working in us, okay? It goes on to say, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So that's relational. For say, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Again, to reiterate that, if you are not loving, it's because you don't know who he is. And so you need a greater revelation of Jesus to know him. See, if you're in right relationship with Jesus, you really have the capacity to love as he loves. You really do. Um, Because you're born of his love. It's part of your new nature in Christ. In 1 John 4, 16, it says, we have come to know and believe the love God has for us. That's my prayer for you too, that you will come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides within him. So there's this union, there's this joining. We become one. He's living in us. We're living in him. And see, that's why Christianity is unique and different from any other world religion, because it's really Christ in us, the hope of glory. The Buddhists, they cannot claim that Buddha lives in them. Um, uh, you know, Muslims can't claim that Muhammad lives in them. There's no union there. There's a belief, there's teaching that they embrace. But Christianity is really so unique in, because it's God reaching down to man and man responding to him. It's relational. Any other world religion is man in his effort trying to do good works to attain favor with God. But so, that's a whole other message. In, in John 13, 34 and 35, we see the new commandment Jesus gave. And he said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. There again, we say commandment. Now notice the two words there, and just as. Just as. I have loved you. You also have to love one another. Are you saying, Pastor Matt, that we are to love other people like Jesus loves us? Absolutely. You say, how can I do that? I'm not God. In the case with Johnny, I knew I could not do that in my human strength. I could not love Johnny as God loves him in my human ability. So that's where I allowed the love of God in me to change my heart towards Johnny. So that I could love Johnny just as God loves him. And see, Johnny didn't understand it. He couldn't comprehend that. One time he said, how can you say you love me when I'm cursing you out all the time, when I'm so mean to you? How can you say that? I said, it's, it's because of Jesus in me. And I, did, I didn't back down from that. I was consistent in my faith. Although there was a time I thought, this isn't working. 
this just isn't working. Things are getting worse. I don't like to be persecuted. I don't like to be made fun of. I don't like to be cursed at. Nobody does. But you know, if you, if you are persecuted for righteousness sake, the Bible says, blessed are you. Okay. So, and then verse 35 in this same passage, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Discipleship or a follower of Christ is identified because of their love for others. Love is the identifying factor that you're a Christian. If you claim to be a Christian and, and you're not walking in love, hey, people are going to question your faith. Number two, let's move uh, to put love in action. The second point is we must identify and connect with the source of forgiveness. We must identify and connect with the source of forgiveness. And, and realize forgiveness simply further magnifies the measure of his great love for us. It magnifies it. In Luke 24, 47, when, when Jesus uh, was raised from the dead, he was commissioning his disciples. He made this statement. And repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Well, that was a statement that was said at that time after Jesus was raised from the dead. That repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. So forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed. That God has already forgiven your sins. Will you receive his forgiveness? In Colossians 1, 13 and 14, it says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, the, the dominion of darkness, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. See, darkness in its domain has no more jurisdiction over us as Christians because we've been called out of darkness into light because we have redemption. Redemption is to, simply means to be purchased back. If you go redeem something, what do you do? You, you're going to, to buy it back. You try, you, you, you're trying to get it back and have to pay the price you know, to redeem something. Um, and that's what Jesus did for us. See, we must receive forgiveness so that we can give forgiveness. Freely you have received and freely give. And let me just say this. Forgiveness is really the ultimate test of true love. Not just for those who love you, but for those who hate you. And we can also add for those who you hate. Because I had to admit and acknowledge that I hated Johnny. I didn't, I mean, I, I was hoping a lightning bolt would strike him or something like that, you know. I mean... And, but, but you need to consider and search your heart, is there anyone that I really have hatred towards? Is there anyone I really despise that I have great resentment or bitterness towards? Because that's really the target of God's love for you towards that person, to release them, to let them go. Because when you forgive, it releases you. It not only releases the person who's wronged you, but it releases you from bitterness, from resentment, and from those things that torment our mind. I've been around some bitter people that had no joy. They were tormented because of bitterness and resentment. Why? Because they failed to forgive. Bitterness and resentment have no stronghold in our life when we forgive. You might say, but you don't know what they've done to me. He does. 
Jesus does. And forgiveness is not really an option for us. Well, I think I will forgive. No, it's not an option. It's a mandate. It's a command. Um, in Luke 6.27, it says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Uh, that was one of the verses I read in dealing with Johnny. I said, okay, God, how can I be good to this man uh, that, that I have issue with? Um, forgiveness is the proof of genuine love. It really is. Forgiveness is the greatest expression of love. It is the ultimate form of love. It's the ultimate test of love, okay? So unforgiveness realizes detrimental to any relationship. It's destructive to any relationship. It's a relationship destroyer. Unforgiveness towards someone is like taking poison and expecting them to die. If you take the poison expecting them to die, it just doesn't work. Unforgiveness, and the Lord showed me one time, it's like a container that holds the hurt inside and eventually will destroy you with bitterness and resentment. Matthew 6.15 declares, But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. And so that's where forgiveness becomes conditional because when God forgives you, he expects that forgiveness to flow through you towards others and not stop there. If it doesn't go through you, then things are are messed up and you're going to hinder what God has done for you. The withholding of love and forgiveness is devastating to your life. See, he forgave us so that we could forgive others. See, what is our response when we are offended, falsely, falsely accused, or taken advantage of? We need to forgive. Now, just because... Because I forgive somebody, that doesn't mean I have to trust them right away. Because if trust is violated or broken, then that person has to prove themselves trustworthy before I trust them again. If, if I let somebody use my vehicle, here's the car keys, you know, you know, yeah, you have to make some errands, you don't have a vehicle, go use it. It comes back and it's all smashed up. It's out of gas. I'm thinking, what'd you do? Oh, I just got in a little fender bender. Here's your keys. Well, thanks a lot. Well, I'm not going to trust that man with my vehicle or that person with my vehicle in the future until they prove themselves trustworthy. And that's how it is with forgiveness. Just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean you have to trust them again until that relationship is restored. Um, so that's a, that's a whole other message there too. And realize that to forgive is a choice. It's an act of the will from the heart, and it's not a feeling. You can't forgive based on feeling. It never works. You have to forgive as a choice. I choose to forgive because it's a command in the Word. I'm doing it in obedience to the Word of God. And the feelings will align themselves in time. So make the choice to, to rid yourself of the burden of unforgiveness, because it truly is a burden. And... Um, 2 Thessalonians 1.3, then we're going to share the third point. Um, it says, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as it is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you and for one another is increasing. I call this ever-increasing love. That's, I believe, what God wants to be accomplished in this church body, 
ever-increasing love, that we're going to see God's love abound and growing among us. Um, and that's something that I believe will be a witness to the community and it, it will help to promote growth as we affect this community with the love of Jesus. So the third point, to put love in action, we must be a doer of the word. We must be a doer. James 1.22 is really taking action. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. If you hear the word and you've heard the word today, you have a choice that you need to make right now. Am I going to do what the word says? Because you're responsible because you've heard. If you reject the word I've shared, then you are opening up yourself to deception. And that's what this is talking about. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. So we're to forgive one another, again, as God in Christ has forgiven you. This is not just an option. This is a mandate from the Word. The chapter break between chapter 4 and 5 is really kind of in the wrong place. Because chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, this thought continues that we see in the ending of chapter 4. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Have you ever seen with small children, dads, how you little boys or moms, your little girls want to imitate you. They'll play dress up. The girls will play dress up. Uh, the boys will want to build projects and do things. But there's that sense where we want to imitate our parents. And notice verse 2 says, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So here we see the charge to walk in love, to walk in love. Let's walk in the love of God. Let's do that as a church. Let, let's do that as individuals. Let's do that as couples, that are, those that are married. See, not everyone you forgive will receive your forgiveness, but it releases them from the debt of the offense and the wrong that they've done to you. And even if you forgive somebody, maybe they won't forgive you. Then that, that's when it's between them and God. I believe that unforgiveness is really a refusal to release an offense which will hinder your prayer life. Uh, when you come before God, when you stand praying before Him, the Scripture says if anyone, in Mark eleven twenty five, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father, if you have anything against anyone, you to forgive them, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Thank you, Jesus. The worship team can come up at this time. And I want to close with this scripture here we see in Colossians. I've given you a lot of word today, a lot of scripture. And you may have to go back and, and walk through this again because I'm going to be gone a month. So I, I, I had to bring the whole truckload to you today, okay? <laughs> so in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, and and again, above all things, we want you to put on the love of God. It says, put on them as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, 
and patience. All of these characteristics and qualities is really love and action. Verse 13, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, a lot of times we do, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must, so you also must forgive. It's not an cho- option. It's a command. And above all these things put on love, notice this, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. It brings it all together. I want you in this moment to ask the Holy Spirit, um, say, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me in this message? What are you speaking to me through this message? And be open to let him address the condition of your heart. And maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I don't know that my life is right with God. Maybe you've never committed your heart to him. Maybe you've never received forgiveness. Maybe you've never made your peace with God. Well, I want to extend an invitation to you to receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, the one who came to die for us, to give his life for us so that we could be forgiven, so that we could receive eternal life, so that we don't have to live under condemnation. With every head bowed, nobody looking around right now, you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm at a point in my life where I'm ready to surrender to Jesus, to give my heart to him. And you know that your life is maybe not what it should be before God but yet you know you need Jesus. And God's brought you in this service today for such a time as this to respond to an invitation to receive him as your Lord and Savior. If you you say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me that I might receive Jesus today. I'm willing and ready to give my heart and my life to him. If that's you, slip up your hand. His love is directed towards you and awaiting a response from you And that response is simply, yes, Lord, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, that I need a Savior, and I welcome you into my life by confessing you as my Lord. Anyone today, just hold up your hand, and God's going to meet you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Okay, let's stand up together. And for those of you that have raised your hands, we're going to pray a prayer, and I call this a believer's prayer. And this is a prayer we can pray to initiate a faith, a trust, and a reliance upon Jesus Christ, acknowledging his lordship in our lives. So pray this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I present myself to you today. I give you my heart and my life. Jesus, I put my faith and my trust in you. I believe you died on the cross for me and you rose from the dead to give me life. Jesus, I receive you now. I invite you into my life. Forgive me of my sins and make my life what you want it to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, just receive the love of God, his forgiveness, his peace. He's filling you right now with himself. 
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. The greatest encounter with God in His love is to be forgiven. Have you received forgiveness? If you have, you now can release forgiveness. My closing prayer for all of you here, the rest of you today is found in 1 Thessalonians 3, 11 and 12. Now may the God, our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. Verse 12. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do also for you. Father, I thank you for the word today. I thank you that as we stand before you, we choose not only to receive your love and forgiveness, but to release those that have wronged us. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to remain standing with your eyes closed. And and if there's somebody that you know you need to forgive, we're going to take just a brief moment and forgive them and release them. Thank you, Father. Let's take a moment. Lord, as you bring people to mind that have wronged us, that have offended us, that have hurt us, Father, we give room and space for your love, for more of your love, because you've given us the capacity to forgive, to release them. And we release them to you. We forgive them for what they've done, the wrong they've done to us or to those that we love. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Just repeat after me, Father God. I choose to forgive and release every offense in every offender in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship Him. Thank you so much for tuning into the Refuge Official Podcast today. We hope that this message spoke to you in a very meaningful way and that you were able to connect with the Lord. And hey, if you made a decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior today, we are first and foremost just so happy for you and we would love to get connected with you. So if you want to find some more of our content and find out how to get connected with us, feel free to check out our website at wearerefuge.net. Be blessed and have an amazing rest of your day.